off the rails Don't you know it's time to raise our sails It's freedom like you never knew Don't bags or a pass Say the word, I'll be there in a flash You could say my hat is off to you I love how even before we started recording, we just had like an hour long conversation talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi, a film which everyone is just loving right now. There's yeah. no debate over the merits of the film. It's like no problems with it whatsoever. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting how you, know, you, as really not a Star Wars fan, you know, came to it like really enjoying like all the kind of um, the changes changes that the that the film makes, subverting all the subverting of expectations, if you will. Where I was like. I like some of the stuff in this movie, but a lot of it feels really inconsistent and everything. I will say one of my whole uh, team at work went mm-hmm. to go see it Wednesday. Yeah. And this coworker that works right across from me, she has never seen a Star Wars movie, which wow. like, how have you gotten this far in life and never out even there. seen one? Yeah. And she really liked it. And so I think that kind of gets across the point that, you know, this is for new fans. Like, like, let's make some new fans. Apparently, you old heads got your movies already. Well, we 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 have our films, and it's like yes, Sonic. Some, some of us can be a little. Oh God, some of us can be a little uh, too aggressive. A little, you know, too much of an asshole. Yeah. Really, like stop with your online petitions. The movies can. Chris, you were great. You were you were great when you were arguing. You were, yeah, I thought so. You, you I, were I very sane. You weren't yeah. rude. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, I don't like Rose, man. I'm just like, not a good character enough. This Benicio del Toro stuff. Yeah, and it had you know? nothing to do. You never brought their race. I into never it. brought their race. No, <laughs> like, some people like, are poorly. That's, that's that's again. That's the worst side of the franchise. I I read some stuff where people like changed the the Wikipedia, like about her her characters, like home planet and stuff, and like really, I mean, just horribly racist. Like guys, don't don't start doing. Like you can complain about her. Character you undermine like your argument. At yeah, because you're being an asshole, and then you're just it's like no one's gonna listen to you. Yeah, and and the people at the higher ups at Disney aren't gonna listen. To you. It doesn't matter because this movie made like. Four hundred million dollars, like in, in three Second days. Second highest so. domestic mm-hmm. box office weekend, I think. Yeah, behind the Force Awakens. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, what I can say of the film itself, because you, you can also check out uh, my sp- or the the spoiler discussion at oneofus.net, which I did with uh, several other people. I moderated that discussion. Really fun. You can. That's an hour and a half right there. But what I will say about the film, just kind of you know, wrap up my thoughts here, is that I think that all the Luke stuff. Uh, with, with Ray and Kylo Ren is really good. I love this take on Luke Skywalker. This is Mark Hamill at his best. And where I think I can understand where the message of the movie is going, like, you know, who the true villain is and all that. And just the, the overall theme of, of failure and that your heroes don't have to come from this gr- great lineage or anything. Like, anyone can be a hero. Yeah. So it's a positive message. It's just that it's not handled well. It's not told, I think, in a in a very compelling way. Or it, it just shows that it wasn't written very well. Yeah. And, and I- visually, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very... Well... For the most part, visually, it, it's it does something really interesting. Yeah, and then it gets into some prequel bullshit. But yeah, that's just my kind of thoughts. It, it, for me, it's just it's a film. I don't feel the need to see in the theater again, but I would check out later on Blu-ray or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, and I, I've been saying this that I love the movie for what it does, mm-hmm. but I don't love the movie. <laughs> yeah, I can see that totally. See. John, we were so goddamn civil right now. We're not <laughs> angry at each other. You know, it's not like we're, we're mad at the canon and this is weird. And my theories about Snoke are all undone. It's like, oh, I'm not frustrated. <laughs> fuck but, your fan yeah, theories. Fuck, oh, man, I guess so. Yeah. You're, what's what's the thing he says? Uh, you're, 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 oh, yeah. The the shirts they had like uh, on set where, you're, uh, where your Snoke theory sucks. Or something. I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's Dis- fun. Disappointing, but fun. But, but what is the show? This I was going to get right into that. This this is, of course, We Are Air, a video game show, John. Now, normally I would go on the whole spiel of like what We Are Air is and all that stuff. Like, well, you know, you know talking about video game news and trailers and all that. We're just going to do a, a, some slight differences. We're going to be talking about our favorite 
favorite games of the year, which I think we can both say right now, this has been probably one of the best years for gaming of all time. Certainly, um, I guess like the last decade. Yeah. You know, I mean, incredible, incredible games. And if, and if you've been listening for the past year, you know, last year we did a joint list. Well, mm-hmm. this year was so jam packed with games mm-hmm. of different genres. And me and Chris like different genres. So we each played different games and yeah. we thought it'd be best that each of us bring our own, uh, respective top 10 lists and we'll just go through those yeah. uh back and forth yeah we'll, we'll probably have some similarities i imagine we yeah. did play some games uh some of the same games but before we get into that wonderful main topic we gotta talk about all those wonderful comments all those commenters yeah. which guys gotta keep commenting give us your feedback we want to do uh, uh just we want to promote this stuff we want you just to say we want your feedback yeah yeah you know. uh on episode 71 knights of the round tabletop the one where mm-hmm. we did uh with Rogue, Rogue Exposure, exposure mm-hmm. uh, a Starfinder podcast. Uh, Birdie the Crick had to say this, and I really love it. Very unfocused, but really enjoyable. <laughs> Which was the ethos of that whole second segment. Uh, he also highlights that he's DM'd and played a several RPGs. I get the appeal of the creative process and having fun constantly breaking and rebuilding the narrative. I see all the advantages tabletop RPGs have added to games, but there are some things that don't work well in a video game system. Turn-based combat in an overworld setting is a bad idea. Looking at you, Dragon Age Origins. So either commit nah, to static... That's, that's great. Commit to static movement like old RPGs or do what Dragon Age Inquisition or the latest Mass Effect games did. Also, as fun as Skyrim or Fallout are, they don't work as well as narrative-driven games because there's often no drive for the character to complete the narrative. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Except for the Dragon Age comment. Uh, That that game is fantastic. (laughs) Has a few issues, but it's very good. And on episode 72, In a Galaxy Far, Far Away, our recent Star Wars episode, it's funny enough the two comments both comment on the rum that you talked about. I guess so. So Michael says, start off with the rum talk. I'd like to share my go-to brand if you will give it a try. Kilo Kai. There's a skull on it. Oh, have you? Did you look it up? <laughs> no, there's a picture right there of a skull. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm on the comment section. Oh, on the I'm side. in the Gmail. I'm in oh, the Gmail. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's intimidating. I'm scared of it. He right also now. says he was hurt that I haven't seen Predator. I am sorry. I'll get to it. Yeah. In 2018. You guys see Predator. You guys see the. Th- you haven't seen the thing. You haven't seen like. You would love John Carpenter. Just watch all his films. I know. As Take someone, the time as off, someone who's like top five, I have one, half of them. Has one of his movies in my top five favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. Like. It's wild that I haven't seen it. You're gonna work. before you leave today. You're gonna take home some of my John Carpenter films, and you can find the time to watch them. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, I, apparently, I won't. There, I'm missing something. I won't ever understand the intro to Blood Origins or Blood Dragon or Saints Row Four because apparently they take from Predator. Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. He also said during my high junior high and high school years, I did play a lot of Tie Fighter. That game was great. Dark Forces was really cool. Mm-hmm. Never got to play the other ones in that series. I really did enjoy Force Unleashed because it was a hack and slash with Force powers and lightsabers. He also goes on to comment about the DLC where you get to kind of kill Obi Wan and Luke Skywalker, and it really has a lot of fun yeah all, alternate with the yeah, history. And he, he mentioned Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith is in it. He provides. <laughs> His voice. I have no idea who that is. Plays Bail Organa, Leia Organa's adoptive father. John, you saw the prequels. Come on, Jimmy Smith's when he's not a character in any of those movies except for episode three. He's like, yeah, I'll take this kid on Razor. Whatever. <laughs> sure. Master Yoda, why, what happened? You're fighting uh, Emperor Palpatine. It's doing crazy. your flippy flips. You're flippy, he's, doing, he's doing a lot of flippy flips in that movie. I love the flippy I don't flips. like the flippy flips. No, you don't. Stop and, lying. You're just messing with me. And Bernie the Critic had some comments on our rum choice. Bacardi Gold. <laughs> amateurs you need to be more adventurous with your rum at least go to the grocery store and buy a bottle of crack and boy you think i got that money caramel tinted rum great flavor smooth finish not overpowering you can get the weaker <laughs> i love this is this you, an ad are you, are you maybe you get you can get the um weaker 70 proof stuff black label if you can't handle the harder 90 proof white label kind which he prefers it mixes well sips well and can be used in a variety of drinks at the holidays or year round i think kraken 
not a paid advertisement. I think I. Oh, there you go. I think yeah. I think Birdie owns some like shares and Kraken or whoever the company is and owns uh-huh. his brand. He's, he's got to pay this for that sponsorship. Yeah. On to the Star Wars talk though. I probably have the most nostalgia for Star Wars Battlefront, the sure, good version, sure. since it's the only big Star Wars game I remember playing as a child. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play Rogue Squadron, but it was either hard to find, out of stock at the rental store, or yep. too expensive. Uh, that those N sixty four games, man. Mm-hmm. I do remember some oddly fond memories of some Star Wars games on the PlayStation. That was a two player co op version of the prequels. My lifelong friend and I enjoyed slicing up droids and force pushing Jar Jar whenever <laughs> possible. I love all of the Lego Star Wars games. They make the prequels bearable because there's so much less talking, and you are often encouraged to put Jar Jar in danger. I did anger my friend once when he started, uh, when we first started playing because I kept accidentally force pushing him off of platforms. Mm. It was fun though. Good to troll your friend. Oh, he also says, Merry Christmas. Congratulations to Nintendo for winning the year, which I do believe they did. Uh, hope they can get it, keep it going and not fall into the same traps that ruined the Wii and the Wii U. Fun fact, John, which you mean me, mm-hmm. I will be the best man in someone's wedding almost exactly two weeks before you get married. Wow. That's fun. That's great. Congratulations, Birdie. Yeah. That hope, should be a good time. Hope you have a good time. Yeah, definitely. So, John, now we got to talk about those best of games. Got to get into the meat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should, should we just start with, I guess, uh, number 10? Do you want me to kick it off? Uh, I, I got to kick it off, man. Okay, go ahead. Because this game is not going to be on your list whatsoever, and, and not many other people's lists. Is it Friday the 13th? It's Friday the 13th, man. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's a bad game. I love that's what you keep saying. It's not a good game. It's glitchy as hell. I get dropped like every fourth match. You know, my character just spazzes out. The, clips through I, the wall. Clips through the wall. Rubber. Well, not not much clipping. Just rubber bands constantly. But I can't stop playing it. You still? Yeah. I love odd multiplayer type games, not traditional multiplayer. And Friday the 13th gives me that. It's a 7v1 multiplayer where you play as, uh, you can play as seven counselors trying to escape from uh, a camp, whether it be in Camp Crystal Lake or kind of all the other settings from the movies. And then the other, the opposite player plays as J- Jason Voorhees. And your job is trying to kill all the escaping counselors. And it's just great. For whatever reason, just as a counselor, you, you get that sense of fear. Like even when you can be by yourself for like an entire match or all the other players are like spread out, they're all close together. But then just, I just love the idea of just slowly creeping, like just uh, uh, kneeling and just crawling your way to the next cabin, trying to find whatever resource you need to get out of there. Get a car part, um, call the police or call Tommy Jarvis to come rescue you or do something like that. You find like Jason's mom's sweater or something? Like yeah. That? Well, there's like, there's like, yeah, there's a whole thing where you can base, if you can cooperate as players, which again, if you don't have like a mic for this, you're never going to be able to do that. <laughs> you need to get like of the team, which is cool. I've actually, I managed to do that where I went on the Friday 13th forums uh, and I said like, hey, people looking for a game, match up with like eight other people oh, really? we played it was it's such a wonderful experience and yeah sometimes we would get drop and then we get kicked back in the menu then we start up again we have three matches where it's, it was just so much fun and sometimes like half of us would get killed all of us managed to escape or jason just murders all of us it's just it's such a wonderful community game it, it harkened back to kind of our um our comfort food uh, mm-hmm. episode where I, I got that couch co-op type feel with it where it's just like, this is just fun to play with other people. I kind of wish there was a co-op mode. So, like, you and I could play with yeah. it. Like, we're both counselors. Or one of, you know, you play Jason, I play a counselor. It's just so great. And when you do play as Jason, it's it's such a satisfying experience. When And you can, like, pick your own, like, Jason, like, from the various films, pick your own different weapons. And you just pick these guys off one by one. You get, like, Jason's superpowers where he's able to teleport or, like, different types of kill moves, environmental moves. And, yeah, some of them are just, like, they're just floating in the air for some reason or the person's head disappears because the animation isn't that good but it's just it's offering me a multiplayer experience i don't often get mm-hmm. and that's why it kind of stands out on my list where yeah it's not a good game but i can't stop playing it 
I, I think something has to be said about unique styles mm-hmm. of play, something we've never seen before. Yeah. Which also brings me to my number 10, a uh, unique spin on multiplayer. Ready to get slimy, my friend? Oh, man. Splatoon 2. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I don't think I've spoken a lot about the game, um, but it's just... It nails. It, it managed to nail down that ethos of Nintendo games of just being a fun game that's right. easy to pick up and show to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it has that new Nintendo feel that they're willing to take some chances mm-hmm. and, and, and introduce new mechanics uh, to get people to play the game. Uh, Splatoon 2 is a third-person shooter, mm-hmm. multiplayer competitive shooter, but you can get the most kills in the game and not win or not be the mvp the whole point of splatoon is to cover as much of the arena with mm-hmm. your team's paint as um more than the other team right. and the one that has the most most colors wins it all they have a variety of different weapons and, and ways to splatter it with these big like pin rollers or big buckets you have these special abilities like a jetpack um that shoots special powers or bombs little like um curling discs that you can throw it's just a fun unique world that they build mm-hmm. and it also has this beautiful aesthetic with the music that kind of we did even had episode, a, we yeah. did an episode on splatoons my friend um <laughs> where everything is just like so wet so wild so wet. <laughs> um, it all has this kind of like weird futuristic crustaceans or squiddy type, yeah, yeah, yeah. type inky bloppy mm-hmm. sort of sounds and bubbles like bubbles yeah like yeah, popping yeah. sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a world that they've managed to craft without having to tell anything about the story mm-hmm. it's it's this new nintendo that i really love now did, now the first platoon was on the wii u mm-hmm. right okay yeah. and so yeah it's weird it's 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 Nintendo finally realizing like we can't just rely on the same franchises forever because that's what they've been doing for the past 20 yeah. years i i appreciate that they're starting to take risk and they're really you know you know Nintendo's not known for multiplayer games aside from like Mario Party and things like that but to see them going this direction with a property that's not connected to any of their other brands that's in itself is really exciting and i think you know again i have a switch and i am enjoying it <laughs> i haven't been able to play all the great all the wonderful exclusives on it this year but there are a lot of great titles on it yeah and i think they've managed to introduce interesting characters that at least sure. the internet age can get behind like yeah. the little uh marie the little twi- squid squid sisters yeah. that open up the game every time you start it up it it just it it bodes well for nintendo in the future and mm-hmm. i'm glad that they're finally trusting new directors and new designers to to lead this company onward with yeah. the switch it's really endearing yeah no it's great it's great for them now my number nine which i we actually did a review for is uncharted the lost legacy now again i'm a big uncharted fan mm-hmm. i love everything that naughty dog does and the reason why this isn't higher on my list because for the most part it is just more uncharted yeah. but that in itself is great where you're not following nathan drake this time it's actually focused on chloe frazier and her story and this is really the first time where they Chloe Fraser, she's not just kind of the you know the plucky sidekick, the one that's making one-liners with you. He was who's over sexualized. She is her own person in this. This is her own journey and her and her dealing with her past and her family, but also bring in some other familiar faces, including uh, Nadine Ross, who was one of the villains from Uncharted Four, and kind of exploring that relationship they have and kind of like for the first time setting Uncharted in an open world environment, at least for a major portion of the game. And it's the first time where I said like, wow, I can actually see later on. If they wanted to continue the Uncharted franchise, like I don't think they're going to touch this the series again for many years. Maybe if not, like five to maybe maybe even like a decade. I can see them doing that, but I can see them showing 
Like this will be the evolution of the franchise. And they proved that with cinematic storytelling and saying in in an open world environment, but then also having a co-op partner to keep the narrative focused, it could show that Naughty Dog is willing to explore other types of gaming scenarios, which we haven't seen with some of their other games in the past. And I think this is cool because they tell an interesting story and they bring some, there's some other surprises as well. Are you ever going to play Uncharted The Lost yes, Legacy? Yes, I'm going to play it. Okay, so I'll I, won't, definitely I, won't, play it. I won't reveal some of the spoilers for it, but it's just, it's a really fun experience. And if you were a fan of Uncharted 4, you're going to get more of it here. And, the re- and again, the reason why this is not high on my list is because of the fact that it is just kind of Uncharted 4. Same. Yeah. But I will say, they, they, they do do some subtle kind of like nods to the fans where... Like, everyone hated the crates in Charred 4. Uh-huh. Guess what? There are no more crates in this game. And it actually says, like, you know what? These crates suck. And they actually point that out in the game. It's like, okay, thank you. It's like stuff like that. It's like does subtle, this play, that's great. Does this take place after Uncharted 4? It takes place 4? after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where Nathan Drake... Before they, the time jump? Yeah, yes, it's before okay. the time jump. Well, I mean, that's not a spoiler. Yeah, before... Yeah, it's... it's. I get the impression it's just set, like, a year later. Okay. Nathan Drake is retired. Uh, but, you yeah, you might see some... Do you think fantasies. they're going to continue the franchise on in this fashion with... Now Uncharted is just new adventurers. I imagine they would continue on the franchise with a new adventure. I think it would. I would personally want to see Cassie Drake take on that role, but again, it might be too similar to Tomb Raider yeah. with another kind of female adventurer. But I mean, we'll see. I, I do want to see this franchise continue because I just like the universe that they they were able to create. I could see them. I con- like Chloe as a, as a protagonist, but I don't know if they're going to use her again. Well, I could see that they introduce a new character, but yeah. have this co op sort of thing. Um, where the tag along is someone we already know, so it's a familiarity. Bit, it's, New, yeah, to familiarity. add familiarity, but continue to expand on it because I think that's how you get this franchise to continue. Because, like you said, it's just more Uncharted, mm-hmm. and if this franchise wants to stay around, it can't just be more Uncharted. Yeah, it has to be a bit more, just like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my number nine is probably a bit higher on your list. Uh, is Cuphead. So we got table that. Yeah, table it. So because, move on to your number yeah, nine yeah, so or eight. My number eight, in which I'm, I'm like everyone else when this game was announced, I was like. Who cares? But it's Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Did you get to play it? Terrible time. I did get to play it. And man, it's it's XCOM, but it has that wonderful Nintendo aesthetic on Have you seen Luigi it. Dab? I have not seen Luigi. I do you got, know do you know what dabbing I is? I haven't got I know what the dabbing is, the movement. I, it doesn't work over audio stuff. It doesn't yes. you doing it doesn't yeah. work at all. No, okay, I don't I don't know, man. I don't know about the dab. I'm not hip. I'm not into the all the all this hip stuff right now, but I've been able to play a good portion of the game. I haven't I mean, some of these I haven't been able to finish. So yeah. I mean, you know, piss off. You're like, you gotta complete the game totally. It's like I'm not gonna be able to complete the game. Yeah. Sorry. I work for, you know, a, a a state institution. They're not gonna let me play video games all day. <laughs> but no, man, it's it's so much fun. And the thing is, and I never thought I would say this, the rabbits are funny. They, they, they use them really well here where I'm like, at first I'm like, even the opening intro, the animated thing where the whole idea is, is like you have this young genius creator who invents this um, invention that is able to splice things together and it's somehow connected to the energy problem on Earth. Whatever, it doesn't matter. The rabbits get transported to the, the, I guess, the Mushroom Kingdom. They get spliced with elements from there. And it's it's you as Mario and Luigi and Peach teaming up with these other rabid uh, rabid mutants who are somehow c- combined with the elements from Peach and Luigi and there's like these little abominations and it's you just trying to defeat this evil which of course you know Bowser's involved by the way spoiler oh jeez yeah I know it's it's crazy but and it's just it's just fun because it's it's. It's gameplay, which I'm very familiar with, mm-hmm. but it's set in the Mario world, which I have not experienced before. Is it's it, fun. Is it just Peach, Luigi, and Mario? And Yoshi. You got the Yoshi Oh, in Yoshi's there. in there. Yeah, okay. he's in there. Yeah. Do, don't, don't they also have like variants of the characters that add 
a little extra dynamic. Well, there's a lot. There's like kind of like upgrade suits. mechanics. There, yeah. There's different types of suits that you can get, um, and like costumes and things, and like or costumes for your weapons as well. And, and that's cool. I actually like. There's there's a little bit of RPG mechanic in there where you can like upgrade your weapons or get more advanced versions of it, and depending on which, you know, I mean, there's some like DLC. That's by the way, they they are supporting this game a lot. And it's and the weird thing is it's a cross production with Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, which shows that Nintendo's starting to trust other developers, other developers which, which is I, great. I think that's another way they get their well-renowned characters yeah. to continue on. Someone mm-hmm. else who, because I don't think Mario, or I don't know if Nintendo could have developed a strategy game. I've never really seen them make I mean, one. I mean, the fact that we don't like know, this, we don't know of a game like that shows that yeah, they probably yeah, couldn't. But have done be, that. for them to be able to distrust another yeah. company, mm-hmm. and also for the people who are about to call out Advance Wars and Fire Emblem, yeah, it's different. Whatever, it's on handhelds. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that. But yeah, they are actually doing a lot of support for this game, where they're actually doing theme content around holidays. Yeah, kind of similar to what Blizzard is doing, like of Overwatch. I mean, yeah, you got to pay for it, but it's like the thing is, is that this this is a long game too. Like, I, I've looked at, like, how long the average uh, amount of time it takes to complete, like, 25 to 30 hours. So, Whoa. Like, okay, that's that's a good portion of time. And maybe I think, like, the campaign is is, is not as uh, as long, or t- depending on how you play. You can ratchet down the difficulty, you can yeah. kind of breeze through, which I kind of did, because it gets really fucking hard. And I was really surprised by it, because I died, like, multiple times. And I did, like, okay, so it's not like a baby version of XCOM. Yeah. It's like, no, it gets just you as difficult think. as something. You gotta, you gotta think. think. Which, again... I'm just glad Nintendo is even with even with a, of a brand that we recognize. They're doing new things with it, which is really exciting. And the fact that it's it sprung off one of a short lived but very heartfelt meme of that Ubisoft guy crying because he got to develop with Mario. That was and that was that a was great beautiful. Moment. I and and I feel bad because I like everyone else. I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me, you know. And I admit I was wrong. And I'm happy I was wrong. I, it's, I, it's, yeah. it's a fun game. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, so my number eight, probably a little higher on yours, is Resident Evil 7. It, yeah, it is. Okay. Table that. <laughs> so you're, you're seven. <laughs> well, you might, we might be uh, tabling this one, too. My number seven is Injustice 2. That's mine, too. <laughs> oh, it is? Okay, yeah, so my number seven is Injustice also, 2. Well, how, about, how about you start talking? Um, about so Injustice 2, guys, is developed by NetherRealm Games Studios. NetherRealm Productions. Studios, yes. <laughs> uh, the makers of Mortal Kombat and its mm-hmm. recent reincarnations. And it just continues on the storyline of Injustice, Gods Among Us, and the comics, apparently, yeah. right? They, they continue the story in the Reference comics. a lot of it. A world where Superman has gone rogue, and mm-hmm. it's up to Batman and his League of Heroes that now include <laughs> Harley Quinn to fight <laughs> off uh, Superman. But it is the best thing about comics to explore these alternate universe yes, ideas uh, where the Joker's now dead. I think Nightwing's now dead. Yeah, and Dick Grayson's to dead. just. It gives them a good excuse to have heroes and villains beat the shit out of each other mm-hmm. with that excellent Mortal Kombat gameplay, which NetherRealm Studios has gotten better and better each year at developing these titles in in beautiful and excellent ways. And they've introduced, continued on from what they did with the original Mortal Kombat and, and in the original Injustice, is craft one of the best fighting game storylines yep. Ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've raised the bar for what we expect from fighting games to the point where Marvel vs. Capcom had to step it up and try to do that with yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Didn't really hit as hard as uh, Injustice from 2 did. From what we've heard, yeah. Yeah, from what we've heard, but it is causing people to do that. I think the same thing is going to happen with um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Z yeah, yeah. which I'm super pumped for. Looks great. That'll be my next favorite fighting game. Um, <laughs> it's already on 2018's best yeah, list. It's already on the expectations list. Uh, but yeah, Injustice 2 is just really tight gameplay, super fun to just hop into a play. It, I, I think that's what's great about what NetherRealm Studios has been able to do is, yes, they have this level of play that is MLG and uh, up for Evo level status, but it's it never feels as 
daunting as something like Street Fighter or Marvel vs. Capcom ever yeah. felt with its 3v3. Injustice just feels simple enough to jump in, but dynamic, complex enough, and has these other little special moves. The upgrade um, mechanics. Yeah, too. the upgrade mechanics to add this extra wrinkle for those mm. who are looking to get into frame data and, and all the intricate uh, combo linking and cancels to make it fun for both levels of play, which is something that I think most fighting games aren't able to do. Yeah. And, th- and there's a couple of things I'll, I'll add is that I like the fact that they're also kind of paying respect to like the animated series and, and stuff where you have like Tim Daly voicing Superman. You have uh, uh, Kevin Conroy voicing Batman, you know, or, um, you know, Terror Strong Wars and Harley Quinn. That that's fun for for fans of, of this franchise to say like, oh, they're also you know, it's like yeah, we we're we're fans of these characters too, and and these incarnations of it. So yeah, we're gonna get the original voice actor. It's that's an great. unimportant do- a detail, but it shows that they care it's, about yes. the, the the franchises that they're touching. And that's the other thing I wanted I wanted to touch on is where in a time where DC, you know, the com- I haven't read the comics in a while. I've heard there's some really good things going on, but for the most part, like with the animated films that are coming out, which have just been bad. The, the new movies, which are just like so just disappointing and just terrible. The fact that we have this gem to show like, look what you can do with these characters in this universe. They can be so much fun. Dark, certainly. But show like you put in some actual effort, you can tell a really compelling story. Which again, that was the thing that shocked me. It was like how much I was invested in the storyline. The fact that the comics go into it as well. It, that's really cool. And it's, it's the one... Um, game where if, if I had more time, I would dedicate myself to this to get better, to get those upgrades and and like those additions to my suit from like yeah. Batman or Green Lantern. It's like, man, Nether Realms is doing such great stuff. Like, I'm I'm actually happy they're kind of at the uh, they're they're the the one at the the top of the pack right now in terms of producing fighting games. Because all the while, like Capcom was always like, oh, they're the best. Street Fighter is the best. It's like Street Fighter has been making a lot of mistakes recently yeah. in everything that Capcom is doing with that franchise. So I like that people are paying attention to Injustice, what NetherRealms is doing, and the fact that that game was the best-selling game of the month and continues to be one of the best-selling titles of the year. It's it's encouraging. Yeah, I, I I really appreciate ever, that. Ever since NetherRealm decided to like strip things back a little bit mm-hmm. and refocus, they have really succeeded. Yes. And they also continue to support the game with fun additional add-on yeah, characters. Right. Like, <laughs> you can say what you want about them having the turtles in there, but that's so cool. Yeah. And, it, and it makes a splash on the internet, which is kind of what you need to do to keep your game popular mm-hmm. and keep people talking about it it's such a smart move and I, and again to your dc point dc is taking chances with video games uh, that's right like the telltale um batman game is not going to be on here because the rule is that it has to be complete for yes. us to count it so it, no fucking PUBG guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh that they, what that Telltale series and, and the first season mm-hmm. was also excellent. They're doing some really fun things and allowing developers to really just stretch yep. their mythology, and I really appreciate that. Um, so my, yeah, my number seven was also Injustice Two. So yeah. your number six, great game. Well, worth picking up. Oh uh, yeah, my number six is Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. Oh, okay. um, this is Resident Evil franchise finally coming back after really two poor games and a bunch of spinoffs no one cared about. This is the franchise returning to survival horror, and I'm really happy about that. A lot of people forgot about this game that, that this came out this year because it came out in January. Everyone forgot about it, but I just loved how they went back to doing the environmental storytelling, making it first person, making it more intimate, like focusing on the horror elements. I mean, first person is scarier than third person for the most part, unless you, again, unless you're like Dead Space or something, which so few games are, and so yeah. few horror games are. But they made all the right choices, and they they. Step back, realized their mistakes, looked at what everyone else was doing. People like Red Barrels of Outlast or, you know, the makers of Amnesia and like, okay, we can do these too. And we can, we can uh, resurrect this franchise, make it undead again. 
And I think it just really worked. And it makes me excited for the franchise. I just hope, because I noticed the DLC recently that it's very action heavy and where you're using machine guns, you're playing Chris Redfield again. And I was like, I don't really want that. I like that they said this, like, this is completely separate from kind of those movies. You take It's in the same, or movies, these games. Uh, it, it's it's separate, but it's also not, which I could have would have preferred had they just said, this is a new Resident Evil. This is just Biohazard now. This is its own new thing. Yeah, you're going to see some familiar elements, but it's 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 separate from all that stuff. But at the same time, it makes me excited for the franchise, and I just really appreciate them focusing on the horror, focusing on the survival elements, and that first person's perspective, which which works so well. Well, I think Capcom, to the point of the not a hero or whatever it's called, the Chris Redfield DLC. Yeah. I think it's really okay that they made a DLC that was more action focused because I assume there probably are fans of Resident Evil who hopped on with four, five, and six and do enjoy that more action heavy element. And I'd rather them appease those fans in DLC that I'm not going to pay for than to muddy the main game. Okay. Um, Because they did also create DLC that was more in line with what the main game was and and with more videotapes to just extend those kind of sequences and it shows that Capcom seems to be at least a little more aware in what the fans are saying, even what some subsect our fans are saying, if they want a little more action there. that mm-hmm. That's throwing a bone to everybody. And I love that Capcom is listening. Sure. And because and, it, it didn't, for a bit, it didn't seem like they were. Yeah. And like you can say with um, Street Fighter, there are some instances where it doesn't seem like they are mm-hmm. uh, still doing their old ways, but it, it does take time, especially when these franchises become so delicate and so important to them uh, to see that they're listening with Mega Man 2 as well. Maybe yeah, this crazy. is we're seeing these Eastern developers get new people in in their businesses with a louder voice. And in like I said, with Nintendo, we're starting to see changes. Yeah. And, and that's really reassuring. And I, honestly, I think the East is doing an excellent job of evolving and taking their old franchises and really making them new again. Whereas the West has not been great at doing that. They're, they're actually, it's, it's like, it's all the mistakes that the the Eastern developers made is now what the Western developers are making. All those big publishers It's crazy. I guess it's always going to be a kind of a flip flop. Like this decade, this decade, it's going to be the Western developers. Then the next one, it's going to be the Eastern developers again. That's, that's really interesting. I think it's one of those things like with, we see with console generations is you get caught up, you get caught up in your own hubris Mm -hmm. and you you think you're invincible and you start making poor choices. And eventually the market speaks out and goes, we don't want that anymore. And it goes, it finds something else, which I, I, I think Resident Evil seven is a perfect example of that. It, it manages to add new stuff and, and revitalize this franchise taking from indie developers mm-hmm. like you said with red barrels and but still feeling resident evil with the little puzzle pieces and, yeah. and these these just weird sort of things about it mm-hmm. it's it's an excellent excellent game and the fact that we're still talking about it when it came out almost a full year ago yeah. really speaks volumes to the game itself and also how jam-packed this year has been yep um, that was your number six that was my number six my number six is a game i don't think you have played it is little old golf story on the Nintendo yeah. Switch. It's just I don't I don't it's just a lot of fun, my man. It it re if you if you've ever played one of the Mario golf games on the on oh, the Game oh Boy, kind of these RPG yeah. elements, mm-hmm. that's what golf story is. It's nice. It's a fun little cheeky title, and it's one of the reasons I love the Switch so much is that mm-hmm. we get these big opuses like Zelda and Mario, but we've seen indie developers really gravitate towards the Switch because it's a console you want to take everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's where all the eyes are gonna be. And I I don't play long swaths of golf story. I just pick it up, play a couple holes, beat beat a couple missions, level up a couple times, and set it down. And and it complements the switch and the style of gameplay I come to the switch with. 
it's it's a it's a game I didn't expect to really fall in love with or really really know about at all coming into the year. But you know, this year has been full of surprises, and yep. Golf Story is one of those. And I want to champion it um, like I did last year with Into the Gungeon, which is still an excellent game, folks. If you haven't checked out Into <laughs> the Gungeon, I think it's actually on sale on the uh, PlayStation now for the holiday sale. So check it out. Guys. I think it was one of those games of gold of Xbox as well, so you can buy it. I think it was like for free, or it could have been. It was also on sale. Did you like ha- do you have it? I have it. Yeah, yeah I will go. eventually. I will eventually start playing it. <laughs> Maybe we could talk about it someday. Yeah, but golf story, guys, check it out. Yeah. So my number five, and this might be a higher on your list, is is Cuphead. No, I it had it at nine. That was my nine. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Damn. Okay. I I completely forgot about that. <laughs> but no, I mean, everything leading this game, I was so nervous about because it was delayed multiple times, and apparently they went back and they added a bunch of new levels. This was originally just going to be a boss rush game. And people are like, that's all you're going to do with it? It's not just going to be kind of your, your your standard side-scroller? And the fact that the studio went back in and actually add those levels, uh, and it just it just made everyone concerned. And then when eventually it came out, it just, it just blew everyone away. And it blew me away because it was something we haven't seen before in terms of its aesthetic, that rubber hose animation, that classic 1930s kind of Fleischer animation that just made it so unique. And where it's like... The thing is, it's like the, the 2D levels are, are, are good, but honestly, the boss rush modes are so much fun and so challenging. And it's like, had they just released the game as like that, I got I would have been perfectly fine with it. Because again, it gave me experience, which I don't get with side scrollers. I don't get with most games. And it's it's the game which I constantly kind of want to go back to and say like, okay, I beat this boss on kind of like the simple difficulty. Now I just want to do it on regular difficulty because now I have this upgrade like weapon mechanic. I can go back in there. And actually, like, again, you add RPG stuff to it, the game's always going to be better no matter what. doesn't matter what it is. Assassin's Creed doesn't matter. And it's it's just a game that even though it was so challenging, sometimes I just want to throw my controller across the room because I, I lost a, bass, a, a boss like 10 times over a dozen times. I wanted to come back to because every single time I got a little bit closer. And they actually do a little subtle thing with this game, which I don't. I think a lot of developers should kind of look into, where they show you how close you were to your objective. It's a small thing where just placing that flag where, where you were and how far like the, the finish flag is. It, it's an incentive to continue to go back and play this game. And it's something where it's like, oh, yeah, Microsoft has had a really bad time with the Xbox One. But it shows like, you know, them putting pushing forward games like this, put money behind those games. It's a it could be a bright future for the company if they continue to promote projects like this. And again, it's just it's it's a game that I think everyone is worth worth playing. And it shows that if you're gonna be a side scroller, it's 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 just a genre which is going to continue to always be popular. And again, even though you're doing something new with it, yeah, I think I've, had I spent a little more time with the game, it would have been higher. Um, I was actually surprised it's so low on your list. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just yeah. I was looking at everything yeah. else. I was like, I spent more time with this. It hit me a little harder. Yeah. Um, but no, Cuphead is excellent. It is. It embodies what it wants to. Mm-hmm. It's a game with a focus, and it goes out and achieves that. And it does get the little details right with the load times specifically. The load times are those amazing. those Best are the times. smartest choice to me. Is they take a little longer at the beginning when you load them up because it wants to make your failure to restarting almost instantaneous mm-hmm. to where you just kind of hit A and you're just right back in it. Yeah. And again, it combined with the little objective tracker that it has. Love it. It's you see, oh, I got a little bit farther. A right back in it. You can give it another shot. And it's one of those games that I probably didn't spend a lot of time with it because I would just focus on one boss, mm-hmm. just beat myself up, keep falling, but keep getting back up for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And I would walk away feeling satisfied. I would just beat the boss and then, like, okay, I don't have to play for another yeah. day or two. Yeah. It allows you that kind of give and take, the the pick up and play mentality for this kind of game. There, I do have some problems with it where it's just like the 2D. 
the 2D side scroller, they do feel like fill in and the jumps yeah, are exactly. a, little, yeah. a little floaty. So I, it feels like a distraction that I didn't necessarily need, mm-hmm. but it is focused on everything else. And the little parry challenges are really nice. And the music is so excellent. Oh, the man. animation is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it is the one source of light in what I think was a dark year for Microsoft. Yep. They didn't have enough exclusive titles. This is the only Microsoft exclusive on my top 10. I don't know if it's the same for you. I don't know how it, many it they is, actually had. Um, in, in a year where Sony and, and Nintendo really came out swinging, mm-hmm. um, this was the little glimmer of hope that Microsoft had. And I, I hope they they really key in on that. We we don't need more huge big budget titles all the Halo, time. You don't need Gears of War. The Out of all their games that they've had since the one came out, this feels like the one that made the biggest splash just yep. because it was a unique, fresh take on something. And hopefully the company hears that loud and clear. Mm-hmm. I hope so too. Um, my number five? Yes. Dun, 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 dun. Jazz Persona. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Um, I haven't gotten all the way through this game because I haven't had 100 hours to spare. I just want to be full disclosure. But <laughs> this game... I can't believe I like it. Yeah. And I couldn't believe I liked Persona 4 either. But what Persona has become and its ability to crack through into the Western market and really make a name for itself, becoming a Game of the Year contender at the Game Awards nonetheless. So Persona is a is a Japanese RPG dungeon crawler, essentially, but also where you take the place of a high schooler who finds himself in com- against different adults and different people who are just like pushing him and his friends down Mm -hmm. and your goal is to go into the hearts of those people and change them to dig into their subconscious and see what what is corrupting their mind and what is corrupting their heart and destroy that treasure that they hold so dear so that they can make themselves good it's it's a beautiful game that like cuphead really picks an aesthetic and sticks with it it has beautiful wild fonts and and an interesting choice to start off with these jazz sort of bass lines and grooves through the menu music. It has beautiful menu music. It, it allows the colors to pop with with really diving into the blacks and reds. But the menus also have bright splashes of yellow and green. And mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful game to behold. And and I know you you probably won't get a free hundred hours anytime yeah. <laughs> soon. But but the stories and, and, and these characters that they build are, are wonderful and funny. And if you have time, I think the anime is out there that you can just watch. It's kind of like you get to glimmers of yeah, it. Yeah, they do it to animated films. Yeah, yeah, it's well. it's really great. Um, but funny enough, what I have some of the most fun with is not just the dungeons, but just conversations with these characters, building relationships mm-hmm. with your friends. And you have to choose how to spend your day. Do you want to yeah. study in the library to bring up your knowledge and, and your your knowledge stats? Do you want to take a side job at the flower shop to really bring, bring up your charm and your ability to finesse people? Um, do you want to go spend time with your friend and just deepen that relationship? Do you want to go eat at a restaurant? Mm-hmm. Do you... Do you want to spend an hour or two dungeon crawling? It gives you these options and and it makes it also super replayable in that sense. Like, okay, I really committed to this character. Maybe I'll commit to this character yeah. or maybe I'll spend more time studying and be a good student. I've never really dug that deep into this kind of game, but Persona makes it so easy and so interesting and just so charming throughout. You sound uh, the same way I do about Mass Effect in terms of like the character relationships who you want to talk to. I mean, yeah, it's like, again, it's... It's the first time where I, I'm actually interested in playing an Eastern RPG again because Final Fantasy 15 let me down last year, and I was like, I'm just, I, it's not for me anymore. But this is the first time I was like, you know what? I want to give this a try, and maybe in the future I'll have that opportunity to do so. Maybe I will have a spare hundred hours in the future. But yeah, it's 
it's a game where I'm glad that it's gaining attention. You know, I'm gl- I'm glad that Eastern RPGs are getting, JRPGs yeah. are gaining attention again. Uh, now, my number four, uh, my fourth favorite game of this year, which no one else has played, sadly, uh, which I'm kind of sad about. Mass is, Effect Andromeda. No, that game is not on my. If we do a worst of the year list, then yeah, then it <laughs> it's will just be on, Mass Effect Andromeda. Just, yeah, it's just that. It's the worst game I played this year. No, it's it's Prey. And okay. it's a game wow. it's, it's developed by Arcane Studios, the same guys behind the Sonic franchise, which is, again, a very underplayed franchise, which is really disappointing. You know, it's like, man, they can't get you a break, man. They, they have so many interesting ideas, but for whatever reason, it's just, it, it's not penetrating the mass market for whatever reason, which is sad because Prey is such a great game. It's, it's not a sequel to the original game, which came out uh, on the last generation of consoles, the Xbox 360 and, and the and the uh, PS3, where you know that game you, you played as a, a Native American. Um, it was initially started on like a reservation. You get abducted by aliens. You got to save your girlfriend. This one is an alternate future where I love how they they established this in the beginning of the game, where JFK survived his assassination attempt, hmm. and he actually uh, put forward so, like a. Uh, Billions of dollars towards the United States space program, and where it increased the the competitiveness between the Russians and the United States within the space race, and where they had this super advanced technology. Where it's like in the early two thousands, now we have like these huge like kind of like uh, cities in space, like uh, these giant space stations, and eventually like the United States and the Russians actually started to get along and kind of went on these kind of missions together. Where they eventually discovered like this alien race, and they're both keeping keeping a secret because it can end both of their like. Um, governments and stuff really cool just like a great setup a great establishment of your world the other thing about the game is that it it feels like a john carpenter movie a john carpenter game where from its soundtrack it's all synth and even the opening oh where man as, your, as as your character um uh, morgan uh morgan you which can be both uh, male or female the opening is where it's like you're just you're going to your job uh you're boarding a helicopter and you you, you start playing your music which is synth and you're just looking around and you see all the title screens like Bethesda, like across the sides of buildings, like banners and stuff. Just It just perfectly sets up the whole world. But then if you look down, you notice your character tapping your foot to the, to the beat of the music. It's like, that is so cool. And it's like, I didn't really get that in any game this year, maybe with the exception of Persona with you, if the characters interact that way. But it's like, okay, I like that my character is reacting to stuff in the environment that is not just based on combat. And then eventually, when you do get into combat situations, it gave me those Bioshock vibes. This feels like a spiritual successor to System Shock. And I actually think some developers from System Shock worked on this game, System Shock 2, which is really cool, and established this alien race, which is able to impersonate inanimate objects. So anytime you might come across them, it's like a coffee cup. Suddenly it's this giant monster creature. Oh, wow. And then eventually you get certain powers and you're able to upgrade your character where you can impersonate a coffee cup to get, or you can roll yourself as a bottle of water, water through this little uh, hole underneath the door or something like that so weird and it has this just again with that synth music with the world that's which is created where you take place in this hologram type universe aboard the space station it's just so unique and with some cool characters some uh some actually uh recognizable actors bd wan plays a character he plays your cousin in the game and he's kind of like the villain and sets you up. He's BD Wan. He plays Wan in Doctor Strange. He also plays oh, Kubla Khan okay. in the in the Marco Polo series. So yeah, you get some familiar faces, and he does a fantastic job. It's kind of one of the antagonists. It's just it's such a smart game. It establishes a really cool mystery. And I'm just disappointed because game did not sell well. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to continue the franchise. It was like because fifteen dollars. That. Is that's how much you got it for too? Right. Yep. It was. It was. It was. Yeah. Fourteen ninety nine. It's just like that's such a shame because it's such a unique game. I mean, again, it's barring from 
stuff like Bioshock yeah. and System Shock, but it's just telling a really cool story. It's set in such a unique environment and unique enemy types. And again, with with music, it, it gives it a really cool personality. And it's just a shame because no one played it. I'm going to have to get my hands on that. You're going to like it. Yeah, you can borrow it, man. Okay, sweet. Um, my number four is probably higher on your list. And don't get mad at me that it's this low. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's higher Thoughts on my list, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, I mean, uh, so you're number three. Yeah, my number three. So I don't think this is on your list, but it's Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus. No. Finally, was able to start playing it, man. It's just like it's better than the original in every possible way. Where I, BJ Blazkowicz is one of the most compelling video game characters from this year. Where they go into his history, who he is, his personal philosophy. Like within the first five minutes of the game, you're getting his back. And it doesn't feel like it's an exposition bomb. It all feels natural. It picks up. Very close to the original game. And I don't want to get too spoiled because I know you haven't played it. Yeah. But what I really like about what Machine Games is doing is that they show they showed that you can have incredible first-person gameplay, but tell one of the most compelling, one of the funniest, and one of the most tragic stories in games this year. And one of the most important games of this year where it's it's tackling the the, the rise of fascism in America. It's a it's ironic a not too unsubtle commentary on the alt right yeah and everything. I'm mean, like, there's a moment in this game when you see a an, an SS officer talking to two clans, and asking, "Have you two been practicing your German?" It's just like this, this is amazing. It's so disturbing and just so unique. And like even the moments when you're not blowing people away, which again, the just the the guns and the weapons and just the explosions, the people just turn into meat chunks. It's beautiful. Just the quiet moments. When you're when BJ is talking to Anya, who's pregnant with his two children, and just when they're just in in bed cuddling and just having a conversation, you know about you know, what their lives are at the, and not like it's like you know dumb or it's like oh super philosophical. System having a normal conversation, yeah, it feels so real and natural. Which again, if you think thirty years ago of the original Wolfenstein, when BJ was just a face that went his eyebrows going up and down, <laughs> to see that we got to this point with this character. Is incredible, and why? Again, this is a game which I don't know how well this is sold. I haven't looked at looked at the NPD numbers for, but I sure hope it it did so well because I want to see what this third game is. I want to see the end of the story, and maybe if they can end it with the third game, I'd be fine with that. So it does set up. Oh more. yeah, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't end on a. It's like a conclusion, definitive conclusion. It, the whole the the whole um uh the main story of the game is you're in America, you're trying to uh, build up an American resistance to start a second revolutionary war against the Nazis. Which again, what the game does so well is establishing its world. How the Nazis to win World War II, the Nazis atom bombed Washington D.C. and New York City. You actually go to New York City and see what it is now. And it's just like wow, this is just really disturbing. And it it also hints at what some other locations in the game, uh, future games could be, like in Japan, like in Africa. Like Africa is the last bastion of freedom in the world. The Nazis had not been able to get into there because that's where all the governments are right now. The African leadership is one of the most um, advanced Wakanda. civilization. Yeah, like pretty much it's Wakanda, man. It is Wakanda, but the Nazis just can't get in there. It's just like I want to go there. Like set the next Wolfenstein game in Africa or Japan or something. There's so many unique opportunities, and this game. Again, tells a great experience, but it also shows like you can go in so many different directions with this franchise, and that's what makes it exciting. That's why it makes it one of my favorite games this year. Could be number one, but there are two more that are just so much that they they do great things, slight slightly better than than Wolfenstein. Hey, you ready to get pissed off? You ready to get pissed off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to know what's better than Zelda in my mind? Also, I just want to say a friend. Yeah, it's just because 
No, you actually sold the siren, so we'll talk about mm-hmm. it. So remember how earlier I said the Telltale game has to finish in this year for it to oh, count? Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about this game. Uh, Telltale, The Walking Dead, Season 3, mm-hmm. A New Frontier. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bitch and roll, man. You go ahead. We did um, a review series on this uh, with Nick and Justin. We're both on it. Mm-hmm. Justin right? Zarian and Nick Dies from UGO Podcast. Um, and I think they were more in the middle often, mm-hmm. uh, often than not. Chris did not like it, but this game know. really connected with me mm-hmm. in a very emotional way. Uh, one of the, you know, thinking back on this year, one of the only games to really hit me in that way, mm-hmm. and it, it had everything to do with the fact that it was centered instead of Clementine, it was centered on a new family and a Hispanic family, just kind of dealing with this, a very broken family uh, that's just trying to survive in the zombie apocalypse uh, we meet them in the middle of their story with um javi is the little is the leader taking yeah. control uh leading his brother's family um through this after thinking that he's dead and eventually you know you, you see him again spoilers but like that relationship between the two brothers the last game to make you cry had something to do with brothers and th- those are the kind of games that always get me mm. and the, the importance of family and to see, to be able to project myself and my brother and my my family into this story, um, sort of like with Pixar's Coco this year, it's just oh, that small great. little step, mm-hmm. that small little ability to project yourself. And it's again why I think it's so important to have to have diversity in games, whether it is diversity for me and and my race or just other races. I think everyone deserves to see themselves on on a on this on the TV screen and on the movie screen because there's just something about being able to go that extra step with the art and really connect with it and and yeah some of the writing in in character development is all over the place but ultimately there's just this moment in the game where it just kind of goes you completed your father's promise and it was just like I don't know it just gut punched me in that moment and it I, it is just it's just really important to me that this game is out there and and hopefully more stories like this get to be told whether they hit everybody i think i think it's more important to hit a few niches than hit broad strokes mm-hmm. every now and then mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going to talk negatively <laughs> about it because you can listen to those reviews but i'm glad you enjoyed it i'm glad you i mean to have that type of experience to feel that way yeah. about a game that's incredibly important and that's a great experience overall. And, and at the same time i think the game does a good job at least for me mm-hmm. of although we don't get to play as clementine one of my favorite experiences doing this show mm-hmm. was brought up from a simple conversation yeah. that happens in this game where Clementine is bleeding, yes. but it's because she's, she's going through puberty, yeah. ex- going uh, experiencing her period. And the conversation where we kind of come up on that and like how how weird it is that this world of violence mm-hmm. that is so normal, but this this woman developing her sexuality, yeah. That's the part that feels taboo. And I just, I love that we had to have that conversation Mm -hmm. and that the game brings that up in a random episode, just offhanded lines of dialogue. And it's what Clementine feels in that moment. She feels so in control Mm -hmm. in that entire season, except for that one moment. And it it's just like opened my mind to a lot of dynamics in gaming and in the world that, that no other game had really done for me this year. It's it's weird. It's so weird to say that, but yeah, that was my favorite moment of, the, of that whole arc of the, those five five episodes. God, it feels creepy to say, it. but no, it, it works. And you got to play, got to play, guys. We're not creeps. Um, so my number two, my pick uh, for this year is Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Um, because I already did number three. Yeah, I'm just very curious what your number one is. You're gonna you're gonna find out. Okay, you're gonna find out. 
Um, and look, this is the Zelda franchise, I think, for the first time in a long time, making a true successor to the original Legend of Zelda. Yep. It feels very much that way. Where, But it's done in, in a 3D type format. Where not in the same way as like Ocarina of Time, which is so hand-holdy, which has been my biggest problem with the Zelda franchise for so long, where stop holding my hand. I don't want to, you know, get into a long text conversation with what's his name. I don't want to fly my damn bird. I know how to open the door. Top stop telling me it's like, well, you're gonna knock on the door. It's like I get it. It's like with um what what was the dumb Skyward Sword, which I think is one of the worst Zelda games, and yet got 10 out of 10 from all these sites or whatever. So I was <laughs> but that's context because I was bitter with the Zelda franchise because I was I was sick of this hand-holding nonsense. This game doesn't do that. And sick of Nintendo is, getting past Yeah, exactly. This is Nintendo listening to all that criticism, I think, finally. Even though you have those Nintendo fans who are like, everything that Nintendo do is great. Clearly, they knew they, they understood that we have to do something different. And you get that with Zelda where it's, it again, it's it's Nintendo looking at what all these other developers are doing, looking at someone what um, From Software is doing with the Dark Souls franchise, with the Bloodborne franchise, but applying a friendlier kind of Zelda aesthetic to it, where it's still very challenging, but it's just kind of where the, how the game starts, where you wake up as Link, you've been asleep for 100 years, you don't really know why, and you, you open up, and it's like, there's the world, now go out and explore. I think you meet one old man who's like... Yeah, it's he, the old man. He's like, here's a... Hi, little boy. <laughs> here's a torch. Here's a torch. Light it on my campfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll leave. Mm-hmm. And exactly, he's like, oh, where's he gonna go? I mean, here's a baked apple. Leave me alone. And you gotta get glad from him later on. But again, it's it's just... I think for the first time, it's Nintendo realizing like the, the, the world of Hyrule can be really interesting. And there's a lot of history there. And you have to find... Again, it's the Dark Souls um, kind of um, gameplay style where there is a sense of a narrative out there. But you got to find it. You got to yeah. find the lore, which is fine. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, but what really just works about Zelda is the sense of discovery. One of my favorite moments of the game, which again, I haven't beaten it. I can't because it's, it's too big. And I haven't had you all the time. You just spent too much time just like running around. I've spent like four hours playing over the there? game and I've only baked apples. Yeah, baked apples or, you know. Uh, A couple shrines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And which again, those puzzles are, are so good. Nintendo's great at puzzles. And man, they, they, they nailed it with this. But I just, my favorite moment in the game is when I came across this fire dragon. Like this kind of oh, Chinese yeah. fire just dragon. Just like floating in the Yeah, floating. I was like, oh, what's that? And I thought, well, wait a minute. Um, I have to get over this ravine and he's in the middle of the ravine. And I know that, okay, well, I know that heat rises and that it could push me upward. I wonder if I can use my glider to get over. It's like, oh, wow, it's working. And I managed to get over there because the heat from the dragon pushes me so uh, so high above him that I managed to get on the other side. It's like, wow. And the game didn't tell me to do that. It didn't say, it's like, Navi didn't show up. It's like, hey, listen. It's like, no, I discovered it for myself. And it made me go, this is just brilliant design overall and it just made it made me really excited for the future of this franchise even if it's you know i imagine they're going to keep doing open world but to say like hey we're going to let players be big boys or big girls for the first time and let them discover themselves again hearkening back to the original days of that first zelda game and it just works so well my only complaint for the game is that i wish it had a this and this is this is a i think a flaw of a lot of open world games a better sense of a narrative i'm still the guy that's like you could tell a great story with zelda and we haven't really ever gotten that. And you can maybe listen to uh, a podcast where we talk about uh, our animated shows where <laughs> I go into what you can tell a great story with Zelda uh, and Link. But And the other thing is I wish there was um, – I wish Link was voice acted because I think that would be kind of cool. And to have him have these kind of like back and forth conversations because some of the characters do talk to you. Like the old man, he talks to you. He has a voice later on. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of back and forth between text and conversation. It's always like, oh, it's a little jarring and awkward. It's like pick either one. Just go with it. And but overall, it's still 
it's it's Nintendo realizing what they what their mistakes were and correcting them and creating one of the best Zelda experiences of all time. My even it, to me, this is on the same level as the first Zelda, um, uh, A Link yeah. to the Past, and, and and Breath of Wild. Those th- those are my top three Zelda games. No, I, I look. I- it's funny because my only real complaints with the game are that it's just against my playstyle, or at least my playstyle and ability to play this year. Sure. Of yeah, I honestly I played the game for like two hours at a time, and there was one time where I didn't do anything mm-hmm. except yeah. run around the world, mm-hmm. like beat to beat a shrine, and collect food and see what I made. And like it's intimidating. It's intimidating. It's it. There's a lot of world out there to explore, and I just feel like I'm never going to be able to get to it all. And it mm-hmm. it it's just You're for not. a player like me, it's a little daunting to not have structure. I'm just one who enjoys structure I in my that. games. It's why I can't get into stuff like Little Big Planet. It's like, no, you make it for me. Why do I have to make it? Sure, like, I bought this. Sure. Um, but still, to see to see that new Nintendo thing, to trust the players again, and to trust their own game designers. Mm-hmm. They they have some of the best game designers in the entire industry and to mm-hmm. be able to trust them to tell the players what to do without having to tell them yes. again. Yes. It, it's a beautiful thing. And I hope they continue to do this with that new blood they've got at the studio and, and allow it to mix with, with their old guard, the old and, guard yeah. and really, and really craft new interesting formulas for, for their old franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope I get to keep playing it. I'm, I'm going to find more time to keep playing yeah, when it. I get but, back to you. But once Chris gets it back to me. <laughs> but it's a, it's a good-ass time, and, it, and it's well-deserved uh, all the accolades that it has gotten. Sure. Um, now, my number two, I don't know if it's your number one. My number two is Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. It's your number one? It's my number one. Well, go ahead. Go into okay. it. It's your well, number one. Okay, yeah, sure. I mean, it's for the first time... I think Guerrilla Games wanted to do a game that they were actually passionate about because they're they were the Killzone developer. They're like, you're going to be the Halo killer, you're working for Sony. It's like you're not going to kill Halo, and they just kept kind of. I mean, Halo I, I, killed I, itself. Funny I, enough, I mean, you know, funny enough, it did, which is kind of sad. But and it's you could see the. I, th- I think you get the sense that there was frustration at at um at Guerrilla Games or like we're just because they're mandated to do this. And I think for the first time, Sony like you know what. This franchise just isn't working. Although I heard good things about the Shadowfall, Shadowfall, but you know, I I, I don't know. I'm Whatever, I haven't played it. Yeah, but I loved it where it was Sony saying, "Let's take a risk with this dude that we have. Clearly, there are t- talented people here, and tell a unique story." And what Guerrilla Games managed to come up with this open world game set in an alternate, this dystopian future where we've basically gone down, gone back to like this Neolithic age where people are like using sticks and stones, except in this time, in this, in this time period where we're using kind of advanced technology or robot parts. So interesting where it's, yeah, where technology has, for whatever reason, uh, we, we've lost it. And roaming around the earth are these like, robot dinosaurs and animals and it's like okay that's just a really interesting idea to do something like that but then a couple of that you have an amazing story this kind of whole conspiracy story where like you have these civilizations competing for this technology and waging like these these wars of each other different cultures are established some are more aggressive than others others have have established their religions which are peaceful that are maybe based on this technology or, or not but then it's all brought together with this wonderful new character Aloy and you playing as her and going on this adventure, her becoming this really just compelling person, interacting with all these different people. And again, adding those wonderful RPG mechanics that just kind of bring the whole experience together. I love just going out, killing a few 
uh, you know, Velociraptor robots or what the hell they were, upgrading my bow, upgrading my my satchel to, you know, be able to pick more items up or just, you know, improving my arrows, all the different arrow types. It it was combining all these different things that I love from so many games and making them all work well. Not not making the gameplay frustrating at all. It was challenging, but I never felt like I never had that that moment where I was like, I just wanted to stop playing, throw my control across him because this was too difficult. I knew what I needed to do, and that was so great. And I just felt I felt compelled to keep playing because of the world that Guerrilla Games has created, and it makes me really interested to see what they can do with a sequel because I'm sure they'll make even more improvements and continue to build on this wonderful world that they created. Yeah, I. It was on my what what it was it breaking my expectations. Oh sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I I didn't think Guerrilla Games had it in them mm-hmm. to make this excellent a game yeah. to make this focus the title and to show even more promise in in the best game they've they've made so yeah. far they like you said they've crafted a world that is really interesting and mm-hmm. i i want to see continue to be explored um with is it ashley birch as yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the voice and i can't remember the guy He's in the guest, but he's in this. He's in this game too. Yeah, he's, he's in a lot of video games. And, yeah. and I, I, I love that. There's a mystery surrounding the whole thing, and mm-hmm. that they they set it up so that more stories can be told here. Mm-hmm. And y- this is the kind of game that I just do love. It yeah. it really scratched the Assassin's Creed itch that I had. That yeah, and and did it better um, than than they've been able to do in recent years. And they managed to somehow get me reinterested in Assassin's Creed too. Like, oh, I've been missing this yeah. kind of game, mm-hmm. ability to climb and explore a world and mm-hmm. those RPG mechanics. Like you said, they they scratched that action adventure itch that is right up my alley, so my niche. Um, and I cannot wait to see what Guerrilla Games continues to do yeah. and to develop Aloy even more and all the other side characters that they introduce. It's a world that, I want to see them have the ability to expand on it. And I'm glad Sony took the chance mm-hmm. on them because as, you know, Naughty Dog kind of wraps up Uncharted, it's not going to be their main focal point, I don't think, anymore. Um, and Last of Us is, I don't think it should really go on. They said that this, too is, far. this is the last one. So I'm glad that Sony was able to find another developer in their yep. staple and go make us a franchise and that they succeeded in it. And it's really setting Sony up for the future. Whereas yeah. again, like we, we talk about our list and my number one is definitely not a Microsoft exclusive mm-hmm. um, that Microsoft has to find developers to really trust in, and not just rest on old franchises. Yeah, no rest on your laurels. So I, I'm glad that Sony's looking forward to the future. Yeah. But to also contradict what I just said, <laughs> sometimes it's good to rely on your good old boys like Mario. Mm-hmm. Man, man, oh man. Mario Odyssey. Um, So it and Zelda are the one-two punch for the Nintendo Switch this year. Yeah. Why Nintendo has had the best launch um, of any console, I think, in history. While Zelda is very wide open and lets you make the fun mm-hmm. out of it, Mario is what I love is when you let a developer that is an expert in their craft put something together for you that is so so well crafted and well designed that you just are not handheld but just pulled along and just breezily brought through this game and and it does in- implement these open world mechanics where there's moons and thousands of moons that you can collect but also there's a minimum requirement so you just play it play through the story and it makes it super easy again to Smart. get a a non-gamer into this to just go 
No, just run around, explore this fun little cartoony world that they've built, these kingdoms that yeah. they've built. And they also do this excellent thing that one of my favorite Mario games is actually uh, Super Mario 3D Land on the Nintendo 3DS, where the initial game is pretty breezy, pretty mm-hmm. pretty easy to get through, but then it busts wide open. And, and they do it here too, where you beat the initial game and there's a thousand more moons to collect. Yeah. And these challenges, they get exponentially harder to where I'm just like, oh, I can't fucking do this. Like, I need to take a step back. And I, I just love that Nintendo crafts this breezy title to just kind of go, look at this fun, fun game that we can make. This is the gamiest game of 2017 to yeah. me. That it is just about having fun, experiencing joy. And then Nintendo goes, you had fun? Cracks their knuckles and go fucking try this. And just like mm-hmm. busts it wide open with all their ingenuity, letting all these these expert experienced developers bust out and like have yeah. fun challenging their players and i've just i've just had a good old time with it and this was one of the games where i beat it and i just kept coming back for more like keep pushing me keep i want to collect the off-brand moons like i want to keep digging into it and to the point this was the one game where i i squeezed all the enjoyment that i felt like i needed to at the moment and like i put every other thing aside because i was like this is the one game that i i feel compelled to continually come back to until I'm just tired. And and again, it's just Nintendo. Why I never want them to leave the industry is because they they have never lost that that toy design that they start they were a toy company originally. And like mm-hmm. that's you can feel that in these games like this, that these are games made made for the base level of joy. Mm-hmm. And Super Mario Odyssey is a joy to play. It's the one game in the last few months that I've wanted to play the most. I just haven't had time because I've yeah. got all these other titles. I just, I just, I, I have it. I have to play these games, and I, I love them. But it's the one where, yeah, again, that sense of enjoyment. Just there's something. It's warm, you yeah. know. And I just, I want to experience that, especially after everything that's <laughs> happened the last few months. And uh, yeah, man, and I totally understand why it's on so many people's best of the year, like that and Zelda. I totally get it. it's. They have some things in common, but they're they're also so vastly different. And I think that's what they're two sides of the same coin. It, exactly. It's that's why it's you know I wouldn't have said this like probably a year and a half ago, but yeah, it's Nintendo's year, man. It's like Sony's right behind them, but yeah, they Nintendo really showed like we're still in the game. Yeah, our console has issues, but we're a great software developer. And we always will be, and to show you that, I, I'm I, my only concern is is that with the future, like, what else are you going to get in this? this yeah, they blew it a lot too soon. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, you want to save Mario for next year? It's like, okay, man, see what see what we got. But again, establishing these new franchises like Splatoon, like Arms, you know, some of these other smaller titles like Golf Story, to show like we can, even if it's a smaller title, even though it's not this giant brand, we still have these really fun, warm experiences for you to play. And that's what makes me excited for Nintendo in the future. Well, what what I think is a smart move, because at first I was like, yeah, they, they did blow their rod really soon. Mm-hmm. What this does, though, is by putting Zelda and putting Mario, you've attracted everybody sure. to want your console. Yep. So now you've got a console that is in, what, 10 million hands now, mm-hmm. for sure? Yeah, that, worldwide. That makes developers go... People are playing this thing. We will get our titles in front of people who are excited to play the Switch, who are excited to not just sit at home and play it, but take it on family trips, take it on the bus, play, play it on the train. Mm-hmm. This this gets us so much more eye time and screen time from these players. This is why we get games like Golf Story. Mm-hmm. This is why Sonic Mania was put on the Switch. This is why Thimbleweed Park, Axiom Verge, Stardew Valley, um, Snipper Clips, like all these unique indie titles have been put on the Switch mm-hmm. because now they've got eyes on them. And we see that 
Ubisoft wants to be involved with yeah. with Nintendo and Bethesda of all people. Yeah, Bethesda put um Skyrim. they put Skyrim and they put Doom on the Switch. Wolfenstein's coming to there as well. That shows that these third party developers trust what Nintendo is doing for the first time in a long time. And I think that's the key for them going forward. If they can get more developers to trust what they're doing and and see that, hey, we've got a console that people want to play. Put your games on it. But that also Nintendo reciprocates that trust as well to show like we want to be third party friendly at this point. And we will promote your game just as much as we would promote one of our own exclusive titles, which I think is smart. For all the the mistakes that Nintendo has made with the console Mm -hmm. launch and like making a full console, they've done... The polar opposite of what Microsoft has done and has worked out in this game space is that it is about the games first. Harkening back to at the top, you know, with, with Star Wars The Last Jedi, one of the themes is failure, and Nintendo learned from their failure. Yeah. And created, again, one of the one, some of the best video game experiences of this year. Yeah, guys. So comment below or comment on the show. Wherever you want to comment. Wherever you want to comment. Tweet us at We Are Aircast. Uh, hit us up on Gmail at or we are air podcast at gmail.com also leave a comment on the site we are air.net and let us know what your favorite games of 2017 were or even your new discoveries did you buy this uh snes classic and experience right. a new title for the first time because i know yoshi's island my friend this first time i got to play it and I, it was one of my favorite experiences so far this year so yeah you also hit me up on twitter at your buddy john no h yeah, and you can also follow me on twitter at Chris J. Herman. You can check me out on Twitch at Mr. Revan N7. I will eventually start streaming again, but they'll be we'll we'll get into those details in a later episode in, in the future. Yeah, so this this episode drops on, on Christmas, guys. So enjoy the time with your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you guys got a bunch of uh, bunch of these titles that we talked about yeah. or a couple PlayStation money to buy buy some other titles. Um and ultimately I like remember guys that we are very blessed to be able being able to even play some of these games. Yes. Um to just Chris, just to be able to talk about some of these things and we're in a very good position. Um, and, and thank you guys for listening and uh, we really appreciate it. Be on the lookout for an episode next week at the beginning of the new year where we'll kind of detail what we want to do with this, this show mm-hmm. and, and our ideas for the future and also what we're looking forward to in 2018. Yeah, but definitely enjoy uh, your Christmas and have a happy holiday. Bye.